This is recording number 10879 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, August 15, 2010. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Inside Out. Living Heart, First. Daniel chapter 1 and Romans chapter 12. And today we're going to be talking about what it means to live heart first. The title of this message is Inside Out, Living Heart First. My heart has been on my my mind the last couple of weeks as I've been kind of uh, walking with... uh, Pat and Frank Segari, members of our congregation, and as Sue said earlier, Frank is a member of our church council as he's gone, undergone quadruple bypass surgery. And if you know anybody who's had bypass surgery, it ain't no picnic. I mean, they, well, let's don't be graphic about it, but I mean, they saw you open <laughs> and it ain't, you know, it's, it's Frankenstein kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, so being there and seeing the, you know, the huge scars that are on his body. I mean, thank God he's done really well and it will be a great benefit and blessing to him for the remainder of his life to have had this procedure, but makes you think, you know. (laughs) And uh, so I had, quite apart from that, just coincidentally, I had an appointment this past week for an EKG. So they strapped me up with those little probes they I don't know what they're called but they they wire you up you know if you've ever had an AKG and then they uh they do what they do and they tell you if you're gonna make it or not so (laughs) anyway the the technician who was serving me she when you know I'm just laying there and uh she she says she says are you on um uh, uh what do you call it blood pressure medication and I now I'm getting concerned and I, and I say, no, should I be? And she says, she says, well, are you a runner? And I said, no, should I be? <laughs> and uh, she, says, uh, she says, well, you have a resting heartbeat of somebody that we would either see that we've either drugged their body into a low resting heart rate or that they are a runner and have developed a low resting heart rate. It means your heart is very efficient. And I'm going, <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I don't know about you, but I hate exercise. And I hate dieting. How many of you exercise here? Now, how many of you are lying right now? You tell yourself you're exercising, but you don't. Um, You know, exercising for me is is not, it's not fun. And I, and it, mainly it's because I have to, I have to, uh, Make time for it. That's the cha- that's the biggest challenge, isn't it? And uh, you know, there's always somebody telling you, "Well, you should do this kind of exercise. You should do that. You should join this club. You should, you know, do uh, Pilates or whatever else the latest thing is." I know that's not quite the latest thing, but anyway, they and you can get overwhelmed. You know, you have all of us are making choices about what we're going to do in terms of how we take care of our bodies because we cannot do it all. 
So I have made, you know, years back, I made a decision that, you know, if I'm going to focus on one thing, it's going to be my cardiovascular system. Uh, the rest of it can go to pot, it just may. <laughs> but I want to make sure my heart keeps beating. So that's what I do. I power walk. I'm not a runner. I power walk, and I do that every day for about 45 minutes. Apparently, it's having some effect. But I made a decision to prioritize my heart. Now, I, I've got my cholesterols higher than it should be, and I've, I'm borderline diabetic, and I'm overweight. So what? I don't know. But I did prioritize my heart. Now, the reason I'm telling you this story and taking you down this little, this little journey is because... You know, that really doesn't have anything to do so much with your spiritual life except this. If you don't prioritize the life of the Spirit, life will live you. Life will live you. Other forces, other priorities will live your life for you. I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody who makes a decision and then follows up, follows through on that decision to live heart first, to prioritize my heart, my spiritual life. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I asked you to turn to Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to be reading beginning at verse 3. Let me set the stage for you. Israel, the Jews... Uh, years before this, many years before this, had split into two kingdoms, and both kingdoms rode this roller coaster of uh, mostly downs in terms of their relationship with God. And and though God continued to pre- pursue them, they kept ignoring Him and turning away from Him and getting into serious ungodliness and evil and wickedness. And eventually, the Lord had to allow them to become captives, to be taken captives by foreign um, uh, kingdoms. And in those times of cap- captivity, the, the, the Lord was using that to draw the, as a last straw to help draw them back to him. Now, the northern tribes called Israel had been previously taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And then the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin had been finally taken captive by, by the Babylonian kingdom, the, the superpower of the day. The king of the Babylonians was a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. Try to say that several times fast. It's not easy. Nebuchadnezzar. Why don't you try it with me once, okay? Nebuchadnezzar. This guy was the king of the Babylonian kingdom or the Chaldean kingdom. And they had taken, they had captured, they had besieged and taken the city of Jerusalem and now they were hauling people, literally hauling Jews off to Babylonia. Uh, They were taking them from their homeland. Now, Nebuchadnezzar wants to find kind of the cream of the crop. So he commissions uh, some of his officials, in particular a guy named Ashpenaz, who was his... uh, uh, the um, uh, kind of the leader of the eunuchs. The eunuchs were the ones who served the king's uh, uh, pleasure. And he commissioned him to find among these um, captives, 
the smartest, the brightest, the best looking, the youngest, the strongest, the ones that he could then take and mold and shape in the ways that he wanted so that Nebuchadnezzar could use them in the management of this vast and spreading empire. He was looking for, for uh, uh, people that he could commission in roles of leadership and government in his kingdom. So that's where we pick up the story. Verse 3, Daniel chapter 1. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Nebuchadnezzar wants to brainwash these uh, Judeans, these Jews, these Israelites. He wants to teach them the ways of the Chaldeans. He wants to instruct them in their literature, in their ways of approaching problems, in their culture. He wants to strip them of everything of their Jewishness and replace it with uh, Chaldean um, concepts. Verse 5, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and, the, and three years of training for them. So, not only is he wanting to instruct them in the mindset, culture, ways of thinking, practices of the Chaldeans, but he's also dictating what they're going to eat. He's going to change their diet. Now, the Jews had very strict dietary uh, laws that they lived under. And he wants to change all that. And he's going to put them through a program that's going to last for three years. Verse 6. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So on top of everything else that he is reordering in the lives of these young men, he's actually changing their names. He wants nothing left of their Jewishness. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Again, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. This guy, Daniel, he's a young man. He's, he's anywhere between 14 and 20. Let's split the difference. Let's call him 17. Just old enough to drive. <laughs> he's, he's been taken captive. He's a prisoner. He's a prisoner of war. He's a POW in a foreign land. And they have ordered that he is going to be transformed from a Jew to a Chaldean. They're changing his diet. They're changing the way he thinks. And they're going to change his name. This 17-year-old boy says, no thanks. Verse 
11. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Asherah, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. At the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now turn down to, um, let's see, verse 19. Then the king interviewed them. Again, this is after three years of this. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. The point is here that this young man decided to live heart first. He determined in his heart not to go down this path, not to eat what they were feeding him, not to be pressed into Nebuchadnezzar's mold. Now Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Let's just spend a little time on that. I'll talk to you about three things and then we'll be on our way. And do not be conformed to this world. That means do not be pressed into this world's mold. My wife brought a cake today that not too much is left of back there on the table that was pressed into a mold so that when she took it out, it would look like, what do they call them, a bunt cake or something like that? So that it would look a certain way. There are forces at work all around each one of us attempting to press us into the world's mold so that we'll look like, we'll think like, we'll be like, we'll have the values of the world. Now, when I use the term the world, I'm using it in the biblical sense. We're all part of this, of this world, the, the earth, the, the nations of this earth and the peoples of this earth. But the Bible, when it uses that term often, it's talking about a system and it's a spiritual system, an ungodly spiritual system. I'm not talking about some sort of, uh, you know, um, there, there's no governmental structure. There's no headquarters for this system called the world. But the seat of authority of this world system is with our adversary, the devil. Make no mistake about it. He is after you and he's after me. He wants to be the shaping force of your life. And Paul, in writing to the Romans in chapter 12 of that letter, verse 2, he says, don't buy it. Don't be pressed into this world's mold be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, let something from inside of you transform you. 
not something outside of you. And then be living proof of the will of God. So let's just talk about those, those three things. Don't be conformed. Don't be conformed. I talked to you earlier about how there is a world system that wants to shape your life. There's a system out there that wants to tell you what to wear. I'm so puzzled by this, this uh, current trend with the baseball caps. You have to have the flat brim. It has to be just on a certain angle. It has to have a sticker, right? I, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm old enough I don't get it. But I wonder, here's the thing. I always, I see these things and I always wonder, where did that come from? You know, why is that important? It's important because the world says it is. I'm not telling you to give up your baseball cap, Mike. <laughs> Poor guy, I'll never be able to wear that here again, right? <laughs> the world wants to tell you what phone you should use. What phone is that? iPhone. Droid. Yay! Okay. <laughs> they want to tell you what kind of toothpaste you should use, what kind of car you should drive. When I say they, again, I'm not referring to any, pe- any people. There's no, there's no uh, conspiracy theory that we're talking about here. We're just talking about our adversary, the devil, the prince and, the pow- the prince and power of the air. You know, the Bible says that, the Bible teaches that when... Adam and Eve, our forefathers, sinned in the garden. We handed over the keys to this earth. And uh, so he has a measure of authority, and he's wielding it. And he's doing everything he can to shape us into his uh, mold. The world tells us what kind of television we should own. I have, I'm embarrassed by my TV. (laughs) How odd is that? <laughs> I don't want anybody. I put it in the cabinet so I can close the door so nobody can see what kind of TV I have. It's nuts. Now I'm going to mention some hot button issues. And when I do, you're going to be tempted to, to read into me my position on these hot button issues. Please don't. I'm not taking any positions here. This is not about these hot-button issues. I'm making no statement about them. I just want to mention them because it's important for you to see something here. Same-sex marriage. We're in the throes of that here in California right now. Back and forth competing, uh, uh, you know, legal cases. And, you know, it's likely to end up before the Supreme Court before long. But there is... There's a a movement. There's a pressing of all of us towards a certain point of view. And it didn't just begin this year. It didn't just begin with Prop 8. It began a long time ago. There is a process to move us right or wrong. Again, I'm not making a judgment about these things here. I've talked about these things previously. You You can get recordings on that. I'm not today. I'm just saying all of us are being pressed along a certain pathway of thinking about that. Aren't we? 
And if it keeps pressing and pressing and pressing, eventually the goal is we all end up at the same viewpoint, regardless of what the Bible has to say about it, right? How about embryonic stem cell research, abortion, legalization of marijuana? Why in the world would we want to introduce another um, legal intoxicant into our our culture, I'm not quite sure what that is. Again, I'm not making any <laughs> statements about that. But you get the, the, the pressure is towards a certain point of view, kind of pressing all of us and crowding us into, well, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't we legalize marijuana? We could tax it. We could, you know, not anything about the, the spiritual issues at stake. It's just this crowd thing. Have you ever been swept along with a crowd? Yesterday I was in downtown Fairfield and... Um, there was some sort of, I don't know, street fair or uh, what did they have there yesterday? Oh, okay. I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to get to a store down there. And uh, so I show up and there's just all, these, all these people and music and whatnot. And you just you want to, you what's this about, right? You're just drawn to the crowd. We're so susceptible to that. But, and, but, but listen, that's what's happening at a macro uh, level where the... The world is pressing us along. We're being carried along more than we know by a wave of, of uh, intentionality to a certain perspective and way of thinking. Living together outside of marriage is another one of these things. You know, I have, I have spoken about that quite a bit, so I won't today. But listen, listen we've gotten to the place where it's, we don't even think about it anymore. In fact, we've gotten to the place where I... I was asked to perform the wedding for a, a couple uh, in our church in San Jose some years ago before coming here, obviously. And um, I, the, one of the, the, the groom, not one of the grooms, it was, it was only, only one groom, but <clears throat> the groom, he was, his nationality was German. He was from Germany. And uh, so Europe is a little bit even farther down the road than we are here in the United States regarding these things. And I got so much grief from his parents, and so did they, because they refused to live together before marriage. Mom and dad were mad about that. Mom and dad wanted them to live together before getting married. Because, well, there's all this rational thinking. Well, at least you try it out. You figure out whether you're compatible or not, and blah, blah, blah. There's... Because there's this wave of, of movement towards a certain point of view. I'm asking you today to consider paying attention what, to what Paul said when he said, don't be conformed. Don't be pressed into this world's mold. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something inside is being changed, and that changes me. That changes me. But you know what? It would be easy to skip the importance of this point into just kind of a, a mindset of, oh, well, that'll just, that'll just take care of itself. That'll just happen. Nah. If we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, it means that we decide actively decide to be participants into that in in that lord 
change me from within. You know, that has to do with the more I get of him in me, the more what he is in me changes me. That means the more I get of his word in me, the more I am transformed with it, with it from within. The, the more I, I welcome his working in my life, the more I am transformed from within. And I become pressurized from inside against the pressure from outside. I hope you're doing this if you're a, a Windows user. And that is have your computer system automatically upgrading or to the uh, you know, latest, um, I, I guess it's the second Tuesday of every month that, that Windows pu- or Microsoft pushes down updates to Windows because it plugs gaps and holes and stuff in your, in your system. If you're not doing that, please do that. This is not a, a commercial uh, or anything like that. But all the rest of us suffer when you leave holes in your computer. <laughs> yeah. The reason I bring it up, though, is because in order to have that happen, in order to make sure that your computer keeps being upgraded, you got to take an action. you got to schedule it to receive those automatic updates. If you want to be somebody, and I, please forgive me for trivializing this, but I hope you'll see something of a connection here. If you want to be somebody who is being upgraded in the inside... It will require action on your part, a decision, a determination. I want to live heart first. Jesus, keep pouring into me so there's something there. Something there for you to work with. And stop giving yourself, listen, I don't mean to point any fingers, but stop giving yourself an excuse. Oh, I don't have enough time to spend with God. You know, I don't understand that Bible, I, you know. Stop giving yourself an excuse. Decide to live heart first and become an example. What does it say there? It says that you may prove that you, Chris, you, Frank, you, Angie, that you may prove What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that you could be living proof, that I could be living proof that there is a God in heaven who knows better than the world system. There is a God in heaven whose ways are righteous and holy and right. You and I could be living proof. Now, maybe that's a job you don't want. But let me tell you, it's a job Jesus wants for you to have. In Luke chapter 24, verse 48, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8, both of them referring to Jesus' farewell words. Before returning to his father, he said this. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. God is concerned about you having a, a good life 
He, he is. He's totally concerned about you having a good life, you know, good relationships, health, blessing of every sort. That's, that's the nature of our God toward you. But, but number one on his list is that you be a witness, that you be living proof, an example. Your neighbors, your friends, the people driving down Cordelia Road here today, they, like you and I, are being pressed along this, this path of confirmation, or a conformation. And then they see you. What? What is that person doing? They're not, wait a minute. You mean there's an option here? You mean there's another way to live? That's you, that's the role that Jesus wants for you and me to play in this world. Because yes, there is another way to live. Heart first. <laughs> 